Amen. Well, good morning. My name is uh, Gardner Fish, and I'm blessed to serve as the pastoral assistant here at Connect Church. Our text this morning is Matthew chapter 6. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to the passage. If you didn't bring a Bible, there should be one right in the seat in front of you. Um, Today we're continuing our series, God Over Greed. Pastor Ryan has done an excellent job the past two weeks helping us to understand God's design for biblical stewardship. And I have the privilege of following him um, as we seek to serve God over treasure. God over treasure. Our text is in the middle of a sermon preached by Jesus. I'm sure you've heard of it before. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And anytime I preach from this section of Scripture, I'm reminded that Jesus is painting us a picture of kingdom life. He's showing us the high standard of righteousness which we cannot earn on our own merits while also teaching us that now that I've bought you, now that you're one of my children, this is what it looks like to live in my kingdom. This is what God's kingdom looks like. And this is a life of Jesus' true disciples. So he's telling us this is already who you are in Christ, so be who you are. Now in studying this passage, I've been convicted, but also encouraged as God has been showing me the grace of Jesus and really the wonderful life that He has for us, His children. Look with me now to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness! No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it contains the words of life. Father, as we seek to hear from You this morning, would You open our hearts and minds. Father, those things in the world which They may seem important. Father, they pale in comparison to You. Help us to put those aside and understand You and Your Word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So before we jump in, I'm going to be honest with you. These words of Jesus are really too much. I mean, we can't do it, right? We we cannot on our own power meet the standard that Jesus has set for us in this text. I mean, we could bring it out bound, but if we actually see what He's saying, and if we're honest, none of us have met the mark because Jesus is not always our greatest treasure. He's not the only one that we serve. Because if we're honest, we've all looked to other people and other things to satisfy our souls. So here Jesus is preaching really the fullness of the law. He's, he's telling us what God was getting at even in the Ten Commandments. Doesn't this text sound eerily like Jesus' response to the disciples in Matthew 22, 36-40? They came to Him and said, Teacher, 
which command in the law is the greatest? And he said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets depend on these two commands. He's really saying something similar in our text. So Jesus is preaching us the law. And do you know what the law does to us? It kills. The the law convicts us. It, It cuts to the heart. It's showing us that we really have no standing before a holy God. And every one of us, when we look at this text, we know it kills us. We we know that we've not lived in this way, but there is good news. Jesus has fulfilled the law. Jesus, Jesus has done this work and He has died for us. And when we look by faith to Jesus, God counts us as if we had done everything here in this passage and much more. Friends, if you are a believer this morning... You're not judged according to the law. You are forgiven. You are free to love and to serve God. And that's what we will be talking about this morning. How are we, as justified believers, not doubting that Christ has done, how do we treasure God over everything else in the world? Now, if you haven't looked at Jesus, you can't do this. It's not possible. You're still under the wrath of God. You must turn to Him in faith before you can even begin to live this life. But I start with this because I don't want us to fall into the trap of thinking, oh, when I live like that, when I get Matthew 6, 19-24 down, then I'm going to be forgiven. Then I'll be a Christian. No, salvation is by faith. And this instruction is for believers who out of gratitude are seeking to love God and seeking to love their neighbor. This brings us really to the big idea of the sermon. The, The one thing that I want you to take away is when Jesus is your greatest treasure, you are free from greed to love your neighbor. When Jesus is your greatest treasure, you are free from greed to love your neighbor. And now let's walk through this truth. Look back at verse 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is very clear in this first section. He says, don't make a treasure on earth because it won't last. Only treasure in heaven is eternal. Is that clear enough? He says, you might be asking, well, what does Jesus mean by treasure? I know when I hear the words, I think two things. Think like a scavenger hunt, trying to find a treasure, or the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And while Johnny Depp was after treasure, that's really not what Jesus is getting at. No, treasure is something of value that you live for. Treasure is something of value that you live for. We each have treasure or things that we value in our lives. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Humans are value-driven. We have goals in our lives Really, we live those lives in pursuit of those goals. In the text, the most obvious treasure that Jesus talks about is material possessions. Now, in Jesus' day, there were no banks and there were no safe houses. There was, it was really very difficult to protect your possessions. Just think about this. Imagine if you had to load up all of your possessions 
pack it up into the car in order to go home to see friends or family this Thanksgiving? How is that going to work out? It might make for a stressful holiday. So, so treasure can be money, it can be things, but it can also be much more. Do you live for the acceptance of others? Does your life revolve around making certain people think well of you or, or say good things about you? There's your treasure. Do you live for success? Do you desire most to have a certain job or a certain life? Maybe you're a workaholic. There's your treasure. For many people, the pursuit of power and control is their treasure. They want to be the center of the world. They want to have everything go exactly how they desire. Control is their treasure. Do you live for pleasure? Do you want to live a life of extravagance? Do you want to see and taste everything? Maybe you desire sex or drugs above all. There is your treasure. I think for me, the treasure of comfort hits home. You, you may not want to have abundance of things, but you don't want to be pushed out of your comfort zone. Do you enjoy most when your life is easy and, and comfortable? Then comfort is your treasure. Do you see how this works? Whatever is of supreme value in your life, Jesus tells us plainly, those, those other those earthly treasures, those things that you desire most, they, if they're earthly, they don't last. Heavenly treasure, though, lasts forever. Then in verse 21, he begins to pry a little bit deeper. And we're going to go deep. He says that your treasure shows you where your heart lies. And this is truth one. Your greatest treasure reveals your heart. Do you want to know your heart? Look to your treasure. Do you want to know what guides your soul? What sets the temperature of your life? Helps you do what you do? Look to your greatest treasure. Because that's the location of your hearts. And once something has that position of treasure, it will control the desires, the thoughts, and the emotions of your heart. I think it's appropriate for us to all do a little bit of heart work this morning. And to be honest, we may not like what we find, but we cannot grow before we know where we are, right? So we've got to figure out where we're at. So church, where is your heart? Where is your heart? You may be asking, how do I know where my, where my treasure is? I, Tim Keller offered a very helpful suggestion. So each of you do this. Fill in the blank to this statement. If I could have this, it would all be worth it. What is that for you? If I could have this, it would all be worth it. That's your treasure. So now that we might have an idea of our treasure, I'm going to briefly mention one that really pervades our culture today. Money. Money is our significance for many of us, if we're really honest. The middle class often feels superior to the poor, the upper to the middle, and so forth. Money provides a direct avenue to safety, to control, to many other things. For some of you, you can know that money is your treasure because of how uncomfortable you got the moment I said money. <laughs> but I, I can promise you, if it makes you feel better, I'm not after your money. I, I'm concerned about you since Jesus is offering a clear warning in the text. Is it possible that you treasure money and the things it provides more than Jesus? Is it possible that you're storing up all your worth, value, and significance in a paycheck. This is dangerous. 
Now, Christ is not saying it's wrong to have possessions. That's not in the text. He's not saying it's a sin to invest in material things. He's saying it's wrong for those things to become the treasure that orients your life. Can I be open for a minute? Sometimes I treasure money. I was driving to work this week, kind of testing myself, and I realized that sometimes my heart's not always as set on Jesus as I think. I mean, Sarah and I don't, we don't make a ton of money, but we faithfully give to the church. We really count supporting the church a real privilege of ours. But thinking through what I treasure, I sense the Holy Spirit kind of moving and leading me to consider, consider giving a little more to support the church. Not much, just a little. And when I thought about it and I ran the numbers, my initial reaction was, ouch, no, I can't do that. And I realized that there I am, right in the middle of the interstate, in traffic. Wow, treasuring money. Great. (laughs) But church, it doesn't have to be like this. When Christ is our treasure, we realize that our money is not our own. It all belongs to God and we're merely stewards. We're stewards. Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it like this. If we have a right view of ourselves in this world as pilgrims, As children of God going to our Father, everything falls into its true perspective. We shall immediately take a right view of our gifts and our possessions. We begin to think of ourselves only as stewards who must give an account for them. We're not the permanent holders of these things. It matters not whether it's money or intellect or ourselves or our personalities or whatever gift we may have. The worldly man thinks he himself owns them all. But the Christian starts by saying, I'm not the possessor of these things. I merely have them on lease. And they do not really belong to me. I cannot take my wealth with me. I cannot take my gifts with me. I am but a custodian of these things. Wow. To me, that's a freeing way to live. When we see that all we have and do is because of what Christ has done. Now, this is the ideal and We're not going to make this fully realize this side of glory. Okay, this is a process. We're not fully here. However, one has done this, and and his name is Jesus. He lived his life in perfect stewardship. It's not just his money, not just his thoughts, not just his life, everything in perfect stewardship. This means full devotion to God and others. Philippians, we find though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Lord Jesus was the perfect steward. The Lord Jesus could have treasured riches, but... Instead, he was poor and he had nowhere to sleep at night. The Lord Jesus could have treasured fame and hung out with princes and rulers, but he was rejected and he made his company with the lowly. The Lord Jesus could have treasured power and ruled the nations. The devil offered it to him after his baptism, but he chose a crown of thorns. The Lord Jesus could have treasured his life, but he chose a cross. He looked to the joy set before Him. The Lord Jesus' treasure was the will of the Father. He was obedient even to the point of death because He loved His church. He loved His church. On the cross, He suffered so that all who would live, who would be 
in His name would live and would be forgiven and enter into an eternal relationship with an eternal God, maybe you have lots of treasures in your life. Even if you could obtain them, they would die with this earth. But if you believe the Gospel this morning, Christ can be your treasure. Jesus is the ultimate treasure. And not only that, He's the only treasure that died for you. Money has never died for you. It has never paid for your sins. Happiness or success or anything, they've never paid for your sins. But Jesus, the ultimate treasure, has. And only He can set you free. Look at verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So, if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Now here Jesus gives an interesting and it's seemingly difficult illustration. However, I think it's actually pretty simple when we look at it. He says, right now, you can see because light is entering your eyes and they're communicating to your brain, right? This allows you to go around and walk pretty clearly. But if your eyes are not working, it doesn't matter how much light is around, you can't see. And this is exactly what greed does to us. It clouds our vision. Simply put, when we allow earthly possessions to become our treasure, we can't see clearly. We can't see. We're blinded by our greed and our going after these different things. See, a good eye, a single eye in the text, a good eye allows us to see that Jesus is the greatest treasure. When they're working properly, we see Jesus as most valuable When it encounters a false treasure, a good eye is able to say, no, that's not ultimately valuable. There may be value, but it's not Jesus. That person, that job, that thing, it's not valuable. Not like Jesus. It's our second truth. Your greatest treasure helps you shape your view of the world. Your greatest treasure shapes your view of the world. Greed. It's a five-letter word that everyone knows is bad and is so thankful that they don't struggle with it. Of course, we all know some people in our lives who are greedy. We got that uncle or that boss or that friend. But it'd never be us. We're Christians. We're, our treasure is Christ. Right? Well, <laughs> well maybe not. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm convinced that greed and the love of the world has done great damage to the church. Especially here in America. I mean, what do we think? If we Americanize the Gospel, we materialize the Gospel, what do we expect, right? Here's the simple fact. When Christians are greedy and love the world, they cannot be who they were called to be. Jesus says, love God and love others. Greed says, love yourself and use others. If our treasures are on earth, we can't serve God. We can't give. We cannot love. We cannot be generous. And we will see the opportunities or we won't see the opportunities that are all around us. Sadly, I think this has shaped the church more and more and is, and is continuing to. Our greatest treasure, whatever that might be, shapes our view of the world. For instance, when your treasure is success, you may use other people and all those around you to achieve that goal. Even if it means lying, cheating, and stealing those who are close to you. Because you have a goal. I've got to get to success. It doesn't matter how I do it. I've got to get there. When wealth is your treasure, you may stay in a bad job or a bad career that even hurts your family because 
what's helping you meet that end? You'll say, well, actually, this is a good job because I'm making all this money. So it's actually a good job. You know, and farewell, it's, it's, it's killing your family. For any ministers here this morning, we must be careful not to sacrifice our family for ministry because we want to be successful for the Lord. We'll play this game. Oh, it's okay that I'm not spending time with my wife because I'm doing ministry. No, it's not. This is all too common. The reality is that we view our lives through the lens of our treasure. It clouds everything that we see. On the other hand, when Christ, when Christ is our greatest treasure, we can actually have a generous eye, a single eye that sees. We, we realize that we're secure in Christ. And our love for Him flows out to those around us when God calls us to give away time, money, and resources we obey. We, we actually gladly obey because our value and worth is not wrapped up in those things. We see that, well, Jesus is our treasure. And then we actually begin to look for opportunities to be generous and to serve others. And you can't manufacture this. The Scriptures are clear that love for God leads to love for others. The reformer Martin Luther practically equated the two. He basically said, when we love our neighbor, we're loving God. Let's read verse 24. No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. As we've seen in verse 19-23, through 23, how what we treasure shapes our hearts and it also shapes our minds. And that's not surprising because the, the question that we're getting at is what's important to you? What is valuable to you? However, Jesus does not stop with the heart and the mind. In verse 24, He moves into action. It actually, we can see it. The Lord Jesus tells us that we can only have one Master. Sure, you can have different employers but you can only have one ruler of your life. The language of, of love and hate is really a comparison. Jesus is saying that He must be the ruler of our lives in such a way, He must be our treasure in such a way that our love for Him looks like hate to everything else because it's such, such a great divide. We love Jesus that much. Then He closes the passage with a famous statement. You cannot serve both God and money or some of you remember the King James, ye cannot serve God and mammon. This, world, this word means worldly possessions. Jesus is not trying to demonize money, okay? He's not demonizing the treasure of the world, but He is elevating the role of God in our lives. If we have an earthly treasure as our King, we're not serving Jesus. And if Jesus is our King, then we're not serving earthly possessions. Why? Because your greatest treasure controls your behavior. This is truth three. Your greatest treasure controls your behavior. Hear me clearly. You can serve God with money, but money cannot be your God. Many people have deceived themselves at this point. I'm, I'm certain that Jesus is not saying for us to become monks and nuns. We don't have to sell everything that we own to follow Jesus, although He certainly could ask that of you. We are called to smash our idols and anything else that becomes the greatest treasure in our lives. In our hearts, we must sell everything that we own so that it is no longer the ruler of our lives. It's no longer ours anymore. It's Jesus's. 
Our treasure must come of, from the throne or come off the throne that is made for Jesus. Don't be deceived. Remember, God knows the intentions of our heart. We, we can't fool God. And really, when we serve Jesus and we treasure Jesus, we will serve Him above all else. By the way, church, all this stuff isn't worth it. When we may try to satisfy ourselves with things that do not matter, with treasures that fade away that Jesus is saying, it's not going to last. But those things are not going to fill our heart's desire. You were created in the image of God. You were made to be in relationship with the Creator of the universe. Do you think a new car is going to satisfy that need? Do you think a person or anything in the earth is going to satisfy that need? No, only God can do that. The reality is that Jesus is the greatest treasure in the universe. He is the Son of God, the One who became a man, lived, and died for you. He's the greatest being, the all-powerful, eternal Redeemer, and there's no one else like Him. No one else loves you like Him. You can look for your satisfaction all across the globe. You can live life for a thousand years, lavishly, but it won't satisfy your soul. You can take every drug in the world, eat every great cuisine, travel to every continent, but it won't work. You can have perfect family. You can have the best friends. You can be liked by everyone that you know. It won't satisfy you. No. You're a human being. C.S. Lewis explained the human experience like this. Most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they, would know that they do want and want acutely something that, they cannot, that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. If I find myself, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If I find myself within me a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Humans, we are we're, we're discontent. We're discontent because we live in a fallen world. Our, while our desires and our, our wills have changed due to the fall, one thing is not our need for God. Oh, how I know how it is. You think that if you can just have that one thing or get to that one place, I'll be satisfied. You won't. You think that if you smoke enough weed or go to enough parties, you'll finally be happy. I've tried that before. It didn't work. If you could just had that one person, or if I would have just done that one thing, my life would actually be so much better right now because God didn't know what He was doing and allowing this thing to happen, and it's all really His fault anyway. No! Men and women across the country are enslaved to pornography. They, they think that those people on the screen is going to fill the need for love in their heart. But it won't. It's a lie from the devil. But here's the truth. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you've been. But I know that you need God. Because God is greater. And He is enough. The, the value of the cross of Christ is far greater 
than your sins and far greater than your desires. If we could just grab hold of this truth, I'm convinced that we would change our church. We would, we would change the world. If we could see that Jesus is truly sufficient, that He's really enough, the city of New Orleans could be a different place for the glory of God. Can we trust God at His Word? Because Jesus is telling us that He is enough. Church, Jesus is the greatest treasure. This is truly life-changing. If, if Jesus is your treasure, your hearts are controlled by Jesus. And you begin to view the world through Jesus' eyes so that your mind is controlled by Jesus. And then we live how Christ called us to live. Remember our big idea. When Jesus is your greatest treasure, you're free from greed to love your neighbor. Why? Because we have everything that we need. Kanye's right. <laughs> We aren't searching for something that we may have one day. We are fully satisfied in Jesus. And this brings glory to God. I, I no longer have to hold on to everything. I no longer have to live for myself. I'm satisfying God in God so I can love Him and, and I can love the people around me. Not trying to use them or getting something from them or trying to get something from God. No, I've got everything I need. I have God. You don't just jump from treasuring earthly things to living this way. No, you can only do it by taking hold of Christ, by treasuring Him. He must save you and send His Spirit into your hearts to transform you. And that's only possible when you're in right relationship with Jesus. The works or obedience that He works in you, that you actually do, that they don't save you. And they don't even satisfy you. It's Christ who satisfies you. It's Jesus who satisfies our soul. And when He is your treasure, He works both love of God and love of others through us. I think about that when we always say, we use that verse, God loves a cheerful giver. Well, you can't make yourself be cheerful. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I can make myself look cheerful, but I can't actually become cheerful. No, it's the Spirit of God who works in us and actually makes us want to do those type things. God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because a cheerful giver has been transformed by the Spirit of God. As we come to a close this morning, I am curious how many people here are unsatisfied. Maybe you're trying to do good things, but it's not helping. Maybe you're trying to come to church, but it's, it's still not helping. Maybe you're searching in everything but God. Quit going to dry wells and believe the Gospel. This invitation is open for all this morning. Believe in the Lord Jesus and His sacrifice and you will be saved. You don't have to walk an hour prayer, prayer. Just call upon His name. For some believers this morning, I wonder if there's a treasure in your life that is getting in the way of Christ. Remember, this law kills us. It convicts us. Is there something in your life that you're seeking after and looking for contentment and satisfaction in that isn't Jesus? Maybe you're allowing your finances or dreams to rule your life. We need to repent this morning. We need to confess to God that He has not been our treasure and our lives show it. In just a moment, some of our leaders are going to come to the front and you can stay where you are, but maybe you'd like to have somebody pray with you.
There's, there's no judgment or condemnation in Christ. Cry out to the Lord. I think we'd all do well this morning to come back to the Lord. The One who delivered us from all our guilt and all our shame. The One who called us to Himself. Let us go to Him and ask for forgiveness. Lord, I've set up false gods and false idols to worship. I've manufactured counterfeit treasure that could never fill Your place. Lord, my heart is empty because I'm trying to do all the right things, but I'm leaving You out. Lord, I've not been a good steward with my money, with my time, with my resources, because I've not seen You as most valuable. Lord, would You forgive us. Renew us again. Jesus, You are the greatest treasure. Let's pray. Father, Your Word cuts us to the heart. Lord, we are so wanting for the things of this world. Because deep down, we all want to be satisfied. But God, why do we so quickly run away from You and run to things that we know are not going to fill our hearts? Father, each of us, I, I don't know where we are this morning, but we cry out to You. Lord, those dry wells, Lord, help us run away. Help us to find our satisfaction and contentment in You and to leave all, that rest, all the rest behind. Father, for anyone here who does not know You, I pray that You would send their, Your Spirit into their hearts that You would create in them a new heart. That You would replace that heart of, of stone into a heart of flesh and cause them to see You as most beautiful. Jesus, You are the greatest treasure. Help us to treasure You. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.